Hello and welcome to the second episode of Developers Den podcast, where we talk about everything to do with games industry, but from the eye of a game developer. My name is Siavash, aka Rainy, and joining me today is our co-host Sydney. If you want to go say hi to everybody and <laughs> hello everybody. Yeah, hello everybody. So. Uh, don't forget that you can uh, catch this episode, uh, extended version of this episode, on our Patreon at Patreon.com/RainyGamesUK. It's not Rainy Games Suck. That's such a problem with our name. <laughs> but Rainy Games UK, Patreon.com/RainyGamesUK. If you read it too quickly, it says Rainy Games Suck. I never even thought about that. <laughs> I, I never thought horrible. we were going to have to fix that. Anyway, That's terrible. You can grab the extended <laughs> version of this over there at the um, cup tier, I believe. No, cup or fox? The cup tier, I believe. Uh, and higher. And yeah, we have extended version of the podcast and we have some other goodies over there if you do want to go check that out. So today, this podcast, we are going to actually focus on one thing. It's going to be probably saw it in the title already. Uh, but uh, Sydney actually is going to direct us today through this interesting topic. So why don't okay. you go ahead and start? Well, <clears throat> mostly what I wanted to just kind of chat about was, I mean, I feel like the, the, the big news right now, the thing everybody's talking about, all the podcasts, um, all of the YouTubers and stuff, everybody's talking about Redfall, right? Yeah. Because that's the big news right now. Um, also with the Jedi game and stuff. I don't really follow that. He's been getting some crappy uh, ports and yeah, in general. Yeah, and there's just, in general, a lot of, like, obviously and, and rightfully, there's a lot of anger from gamers right now about, you know, why do you guys make the decisions that you make? And why would you put out a game that's not great? And what happened? And so we kind of... I want to talk about Redfall, but I don't want to talk about why everybody's angry because it, I, I feel like that's been covered at this point. Everybody's talked about it. What I want to talk about is like expectations of players and how they've changed over time mm -hmm. and why they've changed. And I kind of wanted to talk about something that I mentioned to you earlier was uh, like, we always talk about like the good old days, oh, yeah. you know, of gaming. We talk about, you know, the the good the xbox 360 and... days and like back when halo was like the thing that everybody was playing and back when you know assassin's creed was good back when oh, call of duty God. was good and mm -hmm. so we like to talk about the good old days what i kind of want to talk about is why why do we talk about that stuff what was good about that time period in gaming and what are we not fulfilling anymore not we because we're not triple a game designers but what is the AAA gaming group, the industry, not delivering to gamers? Yeah, I, so I don't know how much of it. Talk about. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I'm not going to get into the topic because we want to go through it one by one. But I don't know how yeah. much of that is actually on the games versus the gamers themselves. So, like, how much of our okay. perspective, expectation, just the feeling towards video games has changed? And, mm -hmm. you know, we are judging it through a completely different lens that we used to, like, 5, 10, 20 years ago. But why is that? Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Do, let's it... let's start with Redfall and let's yeah, go through yeah, that, yeah. and so we don't we don't lose our footing. Uh, first of all, <laughs> I do want to uh, recommend a very, very good video to go watch uh, in the kind of funny, uh, um, what do they call it? Xcast? Yeah, in the kind of funny Xcast. Xcast, They yeah. did um, have uh, Phil it's Spencer on. kind of on. funny games. Kind of funny games. Sorry, it's, it's, games? it's the kind of funny games. Yeah, kind of funny games, like their, their podcast, their YouTube. Um, th th this particular video is only on YouTube. It's not in their regular like podcast stuff mm -hmm. they pre-recorded it yeah um but is, that's what you're talking about right yeah yeah the one with phil spencer yeah. they had phil spencer on and yeah. it was fantastic it was very insightful i actually personally uh hope that they did go a bit more into the technical side of stuff like game management and production <clears throat> timelines and unreal engine being oh, kind of difficult to work with in optimization so i really hope somebody can grab phil spencer and uh, do record that but also <laughs> i mean i have a lot of respect for phil spencer for uh, owning up to what happened to yeah. redfall and just giving us insight as to why it even happened so we're yeah. going to use that as a point of reference but also kind of go through some other parts of in, in a more professional way in a more technical way as to why game production can fail like this and why even the giants can get scores much lower than the mock scores that they used to get. Or even, I would say, especially the Giants. Mm. And and why, and the kind of pressure that they're under. Yeah, and, yeah, because they're... Ex and all that kind of... They're treated much differently from the indies. I mean, if, yeah, if we fail... It's a different ballgame. It, it's just part of the experience, and we move yeah. forward, and nobody really judges us as much, unless it's a controversy. Controversy. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, but, even established indie studios. And I think... That's something that you and I have definitely learned over the last year to year and a half in how much working even with a publisher changes your perspective on how a video game gets made. Yeah. Because when you sit down and you're like, okay, I want to make this game. It's going to be this and it's going to have these things and it's going to do this stuff. Okay, great. But that's just like saying, I'm going to open a restaurant. Mm. I know how to cook. Yeah. I've never run a restaurant before. I have no idea how to do it. I don't know how to run a business, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then a year later, you fail. You don't know why. So it's kind of the same mentality of, yeah, anybody can go and do it, but it's being successful. I feel like that ignorance right tools. of not knowing what game development entails is actually a bliss. Like, um, because <laughs> I, I would be terrified of it if I knew what it's, it would include at, at the yeah. start because i just thought you know but, but me and a bunch of people who are excited about the game we get together and then put it together in three months that, that, that was easy. my expectation and, <laughs> and the thing is there are so many success stories hmm. that it makes you know us little indie gamers be like oh they, they do they outshine the failures though in terms of do you mean like are there more of them i'm saying there are less success stories but oh yeah absolutely. they are so yeah. much louder but than like, the failures that yeah, you don't get to see those we look at we look at stardew valley right one guy six years we look at cuphead mm. you know three people who'd never animated anything in their life and had never even drawn that art style and had really no idea what they were doing and they did it and they've been insanely successful so we see games that are super successful and then we go, oh, well, it must be easy. Mm. But you don't really think about, okay, it took Eric Baroni six years, four years, however long, 
I think he was around six, seven years, yeah. What did that time look like for him? It's really easy to kind of just summarize that as, oh yeah, it took a few years and he got it done and it was great. But like four or five, six years of what? You know, oh, it was four and a half years, hard, actually. Four and a half years. Yeah. We don't know about his daily life. We don't know about the struggles that he went through. We don't know if it impacted his relationships. We don't know how it impacted his life. Like, we don't know. All we see is, oh, he was successful on the other side. So everything up to that point must have been worth it, right? And mm. it is worth it. But anyway, I'm getting way off topic. You know, this is almost like that... those... Um like uh, the meme of the painting or drawing tutor tutorials where they tell you, oh yeah, draw a circle and then this is a proportion and then finish the painting. That's yeah. That's the pretty much what you get out of it. Yeah. And the thing that I really got out of that, that interview with Phil Spencer is something that he said in terms of, he said they didn't really do as good a job as they should have touching in with Arcane, with the studio making the game and making sure that they had all the resources that they had and making sure that they got the oversight that they needed and making sure they got the design input and all that stuff. And I think that was a, a comment that's probably going to go overlooked by a lot of people who watch the interview. But for people like you and I who have real experience with something like that, how important it is to have a really supportive publisher. Should we who... actually give everyone a quick little uh, catch up with what even happened to Redfall? Because some people might not yeah, be sure, up yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> just in case you've, I don't know. Just in case you haven't been. I don't want to say been living under <laughs> a rock, but. <laughs> up to date with the latest news on the yeah. games industry, in case essentially. You don't follow AAA game news like we do. There you go, yeah. Um, so, Redfall, as far as I know, and uh, I'm informed, um, was a game that uh, was made by Arcane Austin, which is a company that belongs to Bethesda. Yeah, you'd have been asked them. Uh, which is a in company Austin, that belongs to Bethesda, which in yeah. terms belongs to Microsoft. Microsoft recently, yeah. well, I don't know if I can say recently because it was now a few years ago, um, recently, recently uh, acquired Bethesda and, yeah. you know, in turn, kind of Arcane Austin kind of came with it. So, yeah. They have been working on Redfall. They were expecting a very, very good, successful game. But when it came out, um, it was really on the fire. Yeah, it got really bad reviews yeah. in the 60s. They were expecting 80s, I think. Uh, and uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of people didn't like it. Uh, not just for performance issues. They, were, they promised 60 frames and the game was running much lower than that. Uh, and yep. for design reasons as well, people just generally didn't like the game or didn't like the visuals of it or didn't like the design, uh, map design of it. So it was a failure for yeah. um, Arcane Austin, which has had a very good track record. I mean, Arcane had the Sonnet series, which were amazingly successful. I mean, my favorite games as well. And this one was a failure. And yeah, they weren't expecting it. So we got a lot of very good insight from Phil Spencer saying that how they dealt with that sorry microphone um so yeah that's what happened to redfall and it is still up it is on steam and a bunch of other places yeah. uh and yeah it's got the uh, very negative review at the moment yeah and there's nothing to say that they you know arcane's still working on the game now they're gonna go back and patch stuff they're gonna keep working on it but it's another thing that phil kind of mentioned is a lot of people, when a game, a lot of gamers, I, I should say, when a, when a game comes out and feels incomplete or feels buggy or feels like it definitely needed more time, 
the first response is, why didn't you just delay it? But it's not that simple. No. And that's something that that he mentioned was that there's a it's not that it just needed more time. I mean, it did. It it needed it did need more time, but you can't just tack on a couple months at the end and say, Oh look, you got your extra time to fix bugs and stuff. The issue with Redfall is that it had fundamental design problems. Now what does that mean? It's not even so simple as saying, Well, the idea of the game was bad or um, maybe the the perspectives on some of it or, or the story or whatever. It kind of comes down to what you've been doing recently, Rainy, which is the actual design of the individual mechanics and how much attention is paid to all those individual mechanics. Mm. And you can often tell in games that don't do well which mechanics maybe didn't get the kind of attention that they probably needed. And I it mean, it was really obvious in Cyberpunk 2077 mm. which areas got a ton of a ton of work and which areas didn't or yeah. which areas got put to like maybe 70% completion but then maybe weren't completed all the way or maybe they just weren't designed very well in the first place. Through, through that and we've effort, been going through this with our own game. Through that effort, the hardest part of it honestly, and it is something that was again talked about in the kind of funny x-cast and uh it's the mm -hmm. fact that you want to make sure that players see feel and realize these mechanics too um mm. because if you go into designing a mechanic with a goal you got to make sure that the players at the end of the day get to actually get to that goal and know why you did something now not everything is like this i mean um Rockstar uh, added a mechanic that the horse's testicles would change shrink in the cold and I'm sure they didn't care if players saw it or not it was actually I would say a marketing move I would count it as a marketing move but I would you want to say it's a developer who wants to do something and let's or, see if we or can it's just do the it. fun thing for the How developers How many things have we had in our game where you're like I want to add this thing yeah and it's like okay why well cuz I want to yeah. but why yeah. It, because I want to. I'm a creative person and I want to do this thing. You and that's really what it, it comes down to mm. is that is all those lines that get drawn between the creative, mm. you in this case, the producer, me in this case, the business managers, so in this case, our publisher, and how all of those things work together. Yeah. And uh, there are lines that have to be drawn on the creator. And there are lines that need to be crossed on the side of the producer and the business people of, okay, do we give an extra thousand dollars to make a mini game that maybe will make the player happy? Like there's all these decisions that take place. So it's not as simple as just going, the design wasn't good for Redfall. It's not that simple. Mm -hmm. You have to look at all the little mechanics that make up the game and kind of see i mean it's not really up to us to determine this is internal stuff that red that that arcane's gonna have to figure out but like what mechanics didn't work which ones did they not pay enough attention to and it's actually one of the things i want to talk about one of the things that i think they fell flat um is map design mm -hmm. which everybody's been complaining about and i kind of want to talk about that a little bit more specifically okay. because it's something that you and i have struggled with yes map design map size is a huge thing that we've struggled with so that's kind of um what i want to talk about was in talking about older games and the games that we look back on and love what did they do well 
and what were they forced to be creative about and why were they forced to make certain decisions that they made was it money was it creativity would you say there was, was more sacrifice made in the older games than today 100 percent. Mm. because anytime you're limited in the tools that you have to do the things that you want to do you're going to have to make sacrifices star wars is an excellent example of this George Lucas had to make sacrifices on how he presented the story of Star Wars because he was limited in the 70s of what um, technology he had right. to put his story out there visually. And then 20, 30 years later, when that technology came about, he decided, I want to do it. I want this to look the way that I originally envisioned it. And he went back and redid it. Now, is that a popular decision? We're not going to debate that. But the <laughs> point is he now had that technology yeah. and made choices because of that and people argue that the originals are better yeah because you have to be more creative well, and come up with great solutions well creativity comes when there are from limitations from necessity yeah, yeah. that's why yeah. uh that's why we have game jams when you are limited by yep. a very specific topic then you have to be creative and even if you're limited by technology, again, you have to be creative with how you approach something. I, I can, and that's kind of my point. Probably yeah. Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Um, how many creative decisions were made in that game to be presented in the way it was, just so that it can run on the Switch? Yeah. The and so if you look at a lot of the older games that we love, and you look at the technology that they had to do the things that they wanted to do and how many decisions and, and all the, the weird little creative things they had to do to make it work. And so if you consider the creativity that came from the limitations of technology at the time, say of Xbox 360 or just the original Xbox, mm. and then you move forward to now, so whereas before you had to work in a limited engine, you could only program a certain way, you only had certain options. Now I hand you Unreal 5. Yeah. Where literally the only limit is your imagination yeah. and the very small confines <laughs> that exist, the very few confines that exist with Unreal 5. Who's to say you're not going to make a bigger, heftier, more ridiculously sized game because you have the ability to do it. Just because you You're can. You're not limited mm. because you can. But have... Just because you can make a really awesome game on a computer with a 4-series graphics card and, you know, with a high-powered processor and with Unreal 5, you can make it. That doesn't mean you can play it on a 10 series mm -hmm. you know what i mean like or a console we have to think or a console yeah just because it used to be that if you made it you could play it that the technology was kind of in the same realm mm -hmm. and i would even argue that the technology for making things was far behind the technology that could play things yeah. and now we've inversed i think i mean i could be totally wrong this is more of a personal opinion <laughs> but <laughs> but I think these days, a typical computer for a PC gamer is much stronger than the latest gen console. I think somebody who has a 3080, 3090 uh, can run much more things at much much higher frame rates than somebody yeah. who owns a PS5. Now, 
if you go back yeah. to like the 90s maybe um where we had the ps2 ps1 uh and those were at the edge of technology compared to the just the normal consumer that had a computer now we had graphics card back then like Can't the voodoo saying, yeah. and the and the 3d ones 3d effects and all that stuff but consoles were very much um at the edge as well with them so mm. now that we have pcs that are a lot more stronger uh the realm of it has really changed but the thing is your average gamer isn't running a 3080 hmm. your average gamer is running a 10 or a 20 series still yeah yeah. Now, your hardcore gamers are going to be up in the threes and fours now, but your average gamer, look how many people still game on laptops. But um, the game studios, who are they making the game for? The PC versions I'm talking about, not the console ones. I think it depends who on are the they studio. Target? I think a smart studio is going to target those 10s and 20s. Mm. That's, you know, but again, if you don't give them a limitation... If you say go make a game and have fun, gonna know? go make so, crisis. <laughs> so this is kind of where um, we go back to talking about map design. So I was watching. I have not played Redfall. I just want to put that out there. I'm no offense. I'm not spending seventy dollars on a game just for one podcast episode. Um, I don't like first person shooters, and I'm not really into vampires. But I've I, I did spend some time watching a ton of gameplay and video. And the first thing that jumped out at me was map size. Yep. And not so much the decoration, but the, the actual size of the maps that they were running around in. And I was thinking about the most recent Call of Duty games that have also enormous maps. And I one of my first like video games that I absolutely loved, that I played to death, actually was a first-person shooter. It was Call of Duty Black Ops, the first one. You gotta tell me you played Nuketown all the time. Uh, actually, that wasn't my favorite. My favorite was the mountains one. Right. But the but the point is the map design in Black Ops was perfect. It was the gold standard of the yeah. time. The, all the Call of Duty games for a long time had genius map design, and what was great about it is they were tiny maps with a lot of movement around inside the map a lot of walls a lot of things to hide behind but a lot of very closed off spaces and then you take that and compare that to a modern call of duty game where your map that was this big is now this big mm. and you have more set design in it and you know what happens when you go from this big to this big on a map yeah you're gonna quadruple how much performance you need out of your computer yeah and what's the benefit to that size difference? Nothing. There's no benefit. The better maps are the more creative, tiny ones because you're working within the limitation of what your device can do. Mm. But you take that limitation away on the creative end where we can make maps this big. Look at our map. Look at the map for Sunnyside. It's unnecessarily large. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. <laughs> it did not need to be that big, but we didn't know. Mm. And we made a map honestly and this is something that has to be said i felt under pressure for having a map that was smaller because i thought the players would judge it and say that uh it is open world but is it really because how big is the map Mm. that you're gonna call it a world even 
Um, yeah. 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 And and another thing that actually to to kind of um, go off of what you said, uh, look at Overwatch. Right. Overwatch is a very good example mm. because uh, it has genius map design, but the maps aren't tiny. They are still very big. But mm. if you had a massive map and a six v six game. You're going to spend most of the time searching for enemies to f to kill, yeah. uh, and it's it's really not going to be fun. So what they did, I don't think you played Overwatch, so I'll, I'll explain it quickly. Oh. There are two oh. main game modes in the game. One of them they pretty much removed, uh, but it was around through Overwatch One, so I'll, I'll say that as well. One of them was the fact that there were two capture points on the map, and you have to go capture right. one, okay. and then you go to capture the other one. Um, like, um, okay, similar thing in... Uh, like the uh, control points in... It, it's domination. Domination, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other one I that they Call have... Call of Duty, not Overwatch. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. We're covering all, all sorts of players. <laughs> all the FPSs. <laughs> um, the, other, the other game mode that they have is... Um, what was it called? Not Patrol, I was going to say Patrol. No, uh, Escort, where you have a kind of okay. car looking thing and you take it through like a spline almost like I've thing seen and that one follow it. I've seen that play. and then they also have another mode which kind of mixes the two so yeah. you capture the points and then you deliver the thing but what it does yeah. is that it keeps the players together it keeps you focused mm -hmm. at one point it's kind of like essentially what happens is that this is a map but this yeah. is the map that is moving around in the game that yeah. everybody's and, around and in I would argue that's good game design mm-hmm in how your game design works with your map. Yeah. And how the two work with each that other. That works really sure. well, exactly, because yeah, you're utilizing it's everything. constantly changing the obstacles. It's constantly changing what yeah. you can utilize in the environment. If you have a high point that you can snipe from, five minutes later, you can't use that because everybody's over there on the map and you have to yeah. kind of and, adapt and, and change. Call of Duty works the same way in that the map design is put together in a way that the designers know which points you can use, where the thoroughfares are going to be, because there are thoroughfares in Call of Duty maps where it's like, here's the major point that everybody passes through, mm -hmm. here's where you can kind of hang out, here's where you run to to find people. And this is why I liked the maps in the first Black Ops games, because the maps were so small, the thoroughfares were predictable. Yeah. And so you kind of could very quickly get an idea of how do I run from the spawn point to the other point to get to this thing, to get to, how do I come around backwards to, you know, chase people or whatever? How do I, I don't remember which Call of Duty it was that introduced the knives, but there was a point where you could just have ones? knives as a weapon. No, just... Just, oh, normal just, melee. Yeah, just straight, yeah, yeah. Just normal melee, yeah. And so if you did it right, you could come around from the other direction and actually get people running face first into you so you could kill them more mm -hmm. easily with the knife. You know? So there's ways that you could manipulate what was handed to you. Whereas I feel like games have started to move into a direction of like, let's toss everything we possibly can at a player and let them figure stuff out see sometimes that could work much. because sometimes it works because like i mean again zelda birth of the wild or another game that actually does this pretty well valheim yeah. uh yeah, you have valheim, a lot yeah. of things that you can utilize and the thing is and this is actually really fun game design i would love to make a game like this one day where the developers don't know how you're going to approach and take the game yeah. either because they just well, gave you some tools and kind of let you go kind of like minecraft yeah but the difference is, is at least with the we build mode, I would say. It. Oh yeah. yeah, and with the farming and but we went into it with here's the system, 
here's all the tools we can give the player. It, it was purposeful. Mm -hmm. And we designed it with that intention in mind. Whereas there's another perspective that's become common, which is we have to give as many options as possible because we have to be as approachable to as many people as possible. Oh, because we have to, yeah. And yeah. that's a different mentality. And so, but going back to, back to just map design and with Redfall, I feel like had they taken the time to use the map design to influence the gameplay, they probably would have had a better time. I'm not saying it would have been the key to success for the game, but that's one of the things that could have been fixed mm -hmm. to create a better gaming experience. Obviously, also the big one that everybody talks about is the AI. The actual AI for the monsters just isn't good. And if you're a studio that doesn't specialize in FPSs, yeah. you're not going to have the experience with creating AI for bad guys, monsters. Are that reminds me of them. Evolve. I don't know how much you remember that game at all, but um, uh, mm -mm. so Evolve was kind of similar. Um, I think it also had AI if you didn't have anybody joining, but it was an asymmetric multiplayer game where there was a team of okay. hunters and there was a monster and they were all played by normal people. They had the issue mm. of the map being very big because most of the time people were just running around and not being able to find yeah. anything. Now compare that to a good asymmetric multiplayer game, Dead by Daylight. And yeah. the map design for that game, and while they're, they're technically an indie, right? Not anymore, yeah. because of how much they made off of Dead by Daylight, yeah. kudos to them. But they started yeah. out as an indie studio, behavior studio. And the map design for that game is genius, because you can see the monster from a distance. They have added stuff mm -hmm. to the monster that you can detect him. He has like a red light in front of him and stuff. But yeah. you, most of the time, you know where the monster is, and you find him easily, and the monster finds the and players easily. I don't even think you map have map design to have, is huge. It's it's amazing. I don't even so think important. you have to have genius level map design. It just has to be intentional. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of a point where a lot of of game design falls flat now is especially if you look at kind of the generation of people who've been making games. Yeah. Everybody in the generation now is working off of things that have been done already. So we're dealing with people who have degrees in game design, who've gone to college to look at what has been done previously and use that as a, something to inform what we do now. Whereas if you look before at the, the older games that we played and loved, they didn't have as much to go off of. Mm. It was, what do I think is going to be fun? Not, yeah. I need to follow the principles of map design. It was... I need to make something that's going to be fun that people are going to enjoy playing. Yeah. And those are two very different perspectives between checking a box and actually putting in the intention behind the decisions that you're making. Yeah. To make sure it's fun. Yeah, yeah. And Nintendo so I think does that's that just kind a of lot. Another thing that goes into it internally because yeah. I mean their big philosophy is just the fun. Um, yeah. As much as I have kind of a wow. little bit of a problem with Nintendo for how they treat the fans. Um, they do fantastically when it comes to map design. I mean, again, I mean, I'm going to Breath of the Wild so many times, but it's just, it's just such a great game. There are uh, clearly areas in the game. I'm the only person I know of who doesn't feel that way. Really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's your problem don't with Breath of the Wild? I don't have a, I have a few problems with it. 
Is it a fun game? Yes. Did I play the crap out of it? Yes. I had a lot of fun with it. I think what it was able to achieve on the Switch is remarkable, mm -hmm. especially with how they did map design. I think the map design is genius. Yep. I think there are mechanics that were completely unnecessary. Right. And I think those were put in place instead of other mechanics that could have been built upon further to mm. make the game more fun. So if we're going to talk about Legend of Zelda, the, the one that I feel like everybody has a problem with was the degradation system of the equipment. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. That's the quality fair. system. That's, that was annoying. It was annoying. It if didn't they didn't the break, fun. I would have been okay with it because I was fine with it in Witcher 3. But because they just completely... But in Witcher 3, you have destroyed. a way to fix that. Yeah, and they get destroyed in Zelda. And especially if you have... Yeah. I, I had a very... Um, you know the Helion shield that you get? I think you get it from the, the main... Yeah. Um, the, from the castle. But yeah. I barely use it. Because yeah. I just and, didn't and, want it to break. And that's it exactly. Is I ended up with weapons that I ended up not wanting to use. Mm -hmm because I was afraid of losing them. And then at that point, what's the point of giving somebody better weapons mm. if they're just going to lose them? So it fundamentally, I think it was a flawed design that right. was not thought through all the way. If the intention was to force the player to pick up new items and to force them to rotate their stock, cool. Also give them a way to save the things they want to save or remove that system from legendary items. Right. So there were there were flaws in it. So I refuse to say that it was a perfect game because there were major flaws. I also think that the ending was hmm. horrible because there wasn't one. No, I didn't ever you feel like the, the game, game and ended. then you go back and restart and it was just like yeah. I don't want to play this anymore. Yeah. Like if if I don't get the feeling of of satisfaction from finishing the game then what's the point of playing it? Yeah, I mean, compare that to world. Red Dead Redemption 2 with ending, or a game you played, mm -hmm. Mass Effect 2. Uh, when you get to that point, you finish it. When, when you're done with it, when, yeah. when you close the game, of course your life just feels so empty, but yeah. you have gotten the satisfaction, and you feel yeah. like you have it's accomplished like reading, something. It's like reading a good book. Any form of fiction that we absorb, reading a good book, going and seeing a good movie, watching a good TV show, there's an end point mm -hmm. that's satisfying. And movies, you know, two hours, you get an ending, cool. Book, you hit the end, you close the book, you go cry in a corner for a couple days, and you're good to go. But television always has an issue because they don't know how to end their stories. Yeah. And what's the one thing that we always complain about with TV? Unless you're it's breaking bad. It's always a bad yeah. ending. Uh, some people do it great. Mm. Some endings are awesome, but a Shout majority of them do it badly. And then for the whole rest of the existence of that show, what's the only thing anybody talks about? Lost. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Crap ending. I, mean, I have House. a better what's ending. I have a better example for you. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Crap ending. Yeah. And so everything they achieved with Game of Thrones thrown out the window. Yeah. Because the ending was bad. Just want to forget so it. If you don't Just want to have exactly, so if you don't focus on the ending, now now we're getting to talk about you know fiction design and all that stuff, <laughs> narrative, or whatever. But it's it's kind of that mentality is if you don't have a satisfying ending, 
And I think that's another place that Zelda flopped on. Mm. So I don't think there is any one video game, as much as I love Mass Effect 2, and I think it is the best video game that's ever been made, I, I still don't think it's the best. Mm. Mass Effect 2 has major flaws yeah. that irritate the bejesus There's out a lot of irritating design in Mass Effect 2. Now, we need a podcast yeah. that we just talk about Mass Effect series, I feel like, because we're both <laughs> yeah, we overqualified we're both for it. We're huge Mass Effect nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I want to take us back to a point you mentioned earlier. So you said um, mm-hmm. we always, whenever we kind of think back on the games we used to play 15 years ago, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and... Um, on older consoles and we just see them as these amazing classics and we just enjoyed yeah. all of it. Um, and to d- these days, today, it seems like there are a lot more disappointment that there used to be. So, and we wanted sure. to talk about why that is. Now, I like to say, yeah. at least for s- some of us, we were children back then. We were kids when we were playing games. <laughs> So, not everybody. Uh, (laughs) So, we, you know, first of all, we didn't have this critical mind that we have today. And we saw everything through a more innocent eye as well as a more colorful eye. So, Mm -hmm. what we remember from a game is so much more amazing looking than what they do today. I see where you're going with this. So, I, I, I think that could be a major reason. But we actually were talking pre-podcast, and you said... I have a rebuttal for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking pre-podcast, and you said that um, it's also because of the fact that we have better-looking things to compare it to. Exactly. So if you look at when you're a kid, if you're playing the best thing that's out right now... Yeah. And you have nothing to compare it to, it's obviously going to be the best. Mm. And then 20 years later, when you have better things to compare it to graphically... Yeah. And then you play it again, you go, oh, God, this isn't as good as I thought it was. Mm. It was good. It's just not as good anymore. I think the best argument against that, and people are going to hate me for bringing this up, is Disneyland. Mm. When you go to, and I know you haven't been, but when you go to Disneyland the first time when you're a little kid, it's the best thing ever. It's amazing. And when you go back as an adult, it's still amazing. Yes, you're looking at it from a different perspective, and yes, you have a different mindset, but Disneyland itself, even though it's changed and and updated and modernized, it's still Disneyland. Mm. So, do games stop being good because we get older? I don't think so. Are the graphics not as good? 100%. Because graphics have been the thing that's consistently updated over time. But I don't think game design has gotten better. Well... You know what I mean? I don't know I don't if that is a word, but definitely changed because, you know, game design it's is different. modern. Like the modern game it's design different. is a very different thing these days. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very different. But like, the, and I think that's why when we when we go back, was, I think honestly, the best example is um, the first Tomb Raider game. Right. Yeah. I've actually played I, that. I actually, yeah, I didn't, hmm. but... I, I saw the movie, so I had a mentality of, like, what the Tomb Raider games were. And so when I watched somebody play it for the first time, the very first Tomb Raider game, I remember going, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, that's the Laura Croft that all you men are, like, super... She looks... She's a square. Like, I don't understand why you guys are so excited. And, yeah. yeah, but at, if, if all we're doing is judging graphics, then, okay, yeah. But the, let's talk about the gameplay for that game. Yeah. 
because you know the gameplay is awesome gameplay is awesome so uh, and and that's the thing that a lot of people do these days i mean retro gamers are exceeding in numbers um yeah. i recently I mean, dug out my 3ds actually it's right over yeah. here because i've been playing it all the time um yeah. just to play one harvest moon is... tale of two towns and it's one of the older harvest moon i could play the newer ones yeah. i could go play um stardew valley which i have 600 hours on but no i, I want to go back to the classics because not only is nostalgic yeah. the gameplay design is a lot more smooth at least it's, a feel i don't know why yeah it's different yeah because it's intentional mm-hmm that, I, I genuinely think that's the different is intention. Right. Is when you look at some of the, the best games that have been made, you look at the intention of the people behind the game. So, and that's why I think indie games are always going to be generally more well received than AAA games. Mm. Not success. Monetary success is reliant on marketing. That's a whole different ballgame. But how well received they are and the general reviews of gameplay, indie games tend to do really well because the intent of the people behind the game is I want to make the best game I possibly can. I want this to be fun. I want this to be enjoyable. And I'm going to go in with as much intention as I possibly can for every bit. Now, are there indie games that suck yes because again we're back to that whole i'm gonna go start a restaurant mentality not everybody can do it and it's hard. actually i'm gonna extend but... on that quickly um and mm -hmm. don't forget what you were gonna say because it's, it's quick okay um okay <laughs> classic like not classic old games versus indie games mm -hmm. that don't do too well uh i think a big difference between this and it might work good as a recommendation for indie devs these days i'm not too qualified to give recommendation to people because i'm still working on my first not game yet. yeah um but is that back in the day uh obviously resources were a lot more limited so anything that was going to be put in the game had to have a crap ton of decision behind it to say yep. if we need this and how much resources it's going to take is it going to help the game be successful and then they would go ahead with it but again now because the tools are a lot more accessible you can just go and do them for no reason mm -hmm. without research and they might end up being super successful there are success stories of games that were put together just because the developer wanted to do it but i feel like this happens to some indie games that don't succeed or don't do as well and the reason is just like you said the intention that there was no yeah. intention it was just done for fun which is fine but your game might Sometimes not it works. your game might not do as well essentially but even so the intention of i'm an artist and i want to create something fun mm -hmm. even if it's just fun for me is a whole different intention than i want to make a lot of money oh god yeah and so if you look at the intention of the art and if the art the difference between i want to make a game that i love that people are going to love that's an expression of the art form it's a very different intention of we need to make as much money as possible mm -hmm. and i think that's really the fundamental issue that AAA is having right now is it's it's mainstream it's being run by corporate people who've a lot of whom haven't really played video games or don't like to play video games or there's people in the room making decisions who fall into that yeah. category at least phil parsons loves phil parsons right no phil spencer what the hell's his last name spencer why do i want to call him phil parsons <laughs> phil spencer who that is. <laughs> loves video games mm. he loves playing them it's a passion of his, and he's the guy who should be making decisions in that realm. But you put a lawyer in the room with him who's never played a game in their life, or you put shareholders in the room with them 
that have never played a video in their game in their life and just see Xbox as an opportunity to make more money, and those are the people he has to answer to, then the decision making gets changed mm -hmm. fundamentally. Whereas you look at the indie level, everybody at the indie level loves video games and we all want to play them. And the intention behind decisions is just different. It is. That's why though. I've said, and I will always say, and I will continue to say, rainy games will never go public. Mm. Period. Because it fundamentally changes the way that you make decisions. That's true. It's you don't want to make decisions to keep people that make money out of your game happy. Yeah. Now, granted, obviously money is something you need to live. You still need money yeah. at the end of the day to pay the rent or buy some food. Um, but making money, like making money as a result of working on something you love versus making a game just to make money are two very totally different. different things. Yeah. Yeah. And even so, if you look at, you know, from the way I approach it as a business owner, we need to make enough money that we can keep the studio open, we can pay people, we can hire people, we can keep making games. That's the mentality, right? But for a lot of people in the publicly traded area, it's we need to make as much money for the shareholders mm -hmm. because they want to make as much money as possible. Yeah. So that's when you start if I feel like in in this is me just kind of on a soapbox at this point, but if you're in a business and on a daily basis, you're looking at the penny margins on how much sales you've made. If your life becomes about spreadsheets of comparing profit numbers, stop, mm. get out. You're not doing it for the right reasons anymore. No. If it's all about, we need to grow constantly because we need to constantly be making as much money as possible to make people stop. And you know, I'll, I'll say with reasons. confidence that if you focus on the game being fun, if you focus on just, just making a good game at the end of the day, the money will come. Uh, if you yeah. look at all of these stories that are out there, none of these people made the, ga made the game for the money. But if Stardew Valley definitely made a crap ton of money, yeah. and if um, Eric Baroni goes and buys a Lamborghini, awesome, great, good for you, man. Cool. You deserve it, you, absolutely. <laughs> but he didn't make Stardew Valley for that Lamborghini. I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he did. I mean, but, did, good for but him. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure his 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 goal, his mentality, at least in the interviews and stuff with him, is he wanted to learn how to make video games. We, I would love to I have him he did, he as a host, that. by the way, on the podcast. Oh, hell yeah. That'd be so good. That'd be great. But, but he achieved what he wanted. He wanted to learn how to make games, and he made a game. Mm -hmm. And he became a video game developer. Why did you start doing it? Yeah. What did I do? It? Yeah. 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 Was it because you I loved farming games, game? and I wanted to make a good one. I, I wanted to make... A, I don't want to get into this topic too much, but <laughs> I wanted to make a farming game that had a yeah. super focus on atmos atmosphere. Jesus Christ. On atmosphere. If you yeah. didn't hear that. And, and what have we done? We've made a farming game with a major intention towards atmosphere. Yeah. I never but forget the we... amazing reaction of people when they saw Thunder in oh, our game for the first time. That was like the best thing ever. literally one of my favorite. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen this, this this video that we did God, over a year ago now mm -hmm. um, when the alpha for Sunnyside first came out on day 11 in the game there was a thunderstorm and so yeah we preset um, the I, weather conditions we preset it yeah we decided dates. everything yeah. 
And I went and I watched all of the streamers. I literally had at one point, I think like 20 different videos running on my computer, uh, watching everybody playing Sunnyside because I wanted to know what people thought. I wanted the reactions. And I made a point <clears throat> to be watching streams when they got to day 11. And I was recording all of the reactions that people had um, towards the, the thunder and lightning in the game. And we made a really great little compilation we of did. all of these reactions. We put it on Twitter. We should probably repost it again <laughs> at some point. Um, but it, but that was why we did it. We we designed the map in Sunnyside so that people would turn a corner and see the sunrise and go, oh. That was, that was our intention mm -hmm. for the game. So again, if we go back and look at Redfall, what was the design intention for the game and if as a player you can't answer that question then i feel like the developers didn't do their job yeah that's you know i'd say that's a good merit to to check that yeah if you can't automatically tell the intention of the artist in the ui design if you can't figure out the intention in the way movement happens on a map if you can't figure out the intention of how a boss makes you feel when you first see them, if you don't feel any of that as the player, then there was no intention there. Mm. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, this is something that I joke about with Kevin, who's my other half. Um, I watch a lot of Corridor Crew. Shout out to Cor Corridor Crew. I love them. They're amazing. Um, they're amazing. And really, if you guys don't follow them, go watch them because they're awesome. But they do a lot of um, React shows to VFX, right? And, and yep. visual effects. That's their VFX studio. And VFX it's made me... Yeah, it's made me more aware of VFX now, too. And one of my favorite things is now I can go see a movie, and you can tell at what point a visual effect has just been put into a movie to achieve something. And you can tell when it's been put in because they want to flex their ability. <laughs> yeah. So you same in games. Any... Yeah, and it's the exact same in games. Is we'll put stuff in because we're flexing. We want you to experience this. We want to show you this cool thing that we can do. Avatar: The Way of Water. That whole movie is a flex of VFX. <laughs> How They're... water can interact with other three D objects. It, yeah. That's it. Did they have to do it that way? No, mm. but they're flexing. If you look at all the John Wick movies, John Wick movies are flex for stuntmen. Mm. That's it. It's for it's a flex movie series for stunt choreographers. Wonder how many <laughs> stuntmen can use John Wick story. as a uh, John Wick, John Wick, John yeah, Wick, <laughs> John Wick, John Wick as their portfolio. Just just because of how it, many scenes oh, yeah. there are in it. But have you seen the new one? No, not not the new one. Okay. I've only seen the so, first okay, one so, actually. I, I don't want to spoil it too much. If, if anybody hasn't go, go see the newest John Wick movie, it's amazing. Um, but there is a scene where it's like, you can almost hear the the guys in a room talking about like this scene that they're going to do. And it's like, okay, we want to have like a car hit. Okay, we want to get to have a guy hit by a car. Well, what's better than that? How can we make that better? Well, let's do like five of them. Okay, but like, how can we make it even better? 
let's do like 20 of them in a row on the Champs-Élysées and everybody's driving. You've got all these like, how can we make this <laughs> so ridiculous uh-huh. that anybody who's watching it knows that we put intention and effort behind the scene? And it, that's it's like that scene in, in The Dark Knight where the uh, the truck just goes up into the sky. That's a flex. That's an absolute flex. That yeah. is a flex shot. Did they have to shoot it that way? No. no. <laughs> they could have done have it to do a anything with the story that truck, but they just no. did it. <laughs> but they flex. And so and that's when good art happens mm. is when an artist gets to be an artist. Yeah. That's why I always my like fallback phrase is let the artist art. Mm. Yeah. How many times have I said that about Calvary? We have I mean, if you go let back the to our game. We have a lot of art in the game that was absolutely not planned. It just happened. For instance, no. the chibis yeah. that we have for the characters that end up working yeah. as contact images, um, yeah. those did not. No, they, that was not the intention behind them. But we, the artist did design. it, and then we kind of gave it intention. You know, we gave it an intent, yeah. and it ended up fitting that yeah. kind of mold perfectly. Yeah. Now. There's a there is a line to this. Mm-hmm. Oh, because you can you can pro- go into feature you creep. Go, you can go overboard. Yeah, this is where the producer comes in. It's up to me yeah. or the director to say, okay, yes, but we do have time to consider. We do have money to consider. So there's a balancing act for sure. Mm. And I think in any time when there's a failure on the art form, such as with Redfall, there was a point there where the line wasn't balanced properly yeah so you can look at these games and go okay maybe the producer side of it overtook the art Mm. but then you can look at other examples where the art definitely overtakes the the production side of Mm -hmm. it what's the one everybody wants to talk about star citizen yeah yeah The, the art has taken over that game yeah it is not about putting out a responsible product it's not about putting out a, ga- a game for the players the whole point of that game is satisfying sorry dude the ego mm-hmm. of one guy yeah because he wants to do it the way he wants to do it and again we come back and look at george lucas and star wars star wars was perfect the first time around mm-hmm. did it need the artist to go back and change things to make his vision actually come to life no. No. Because the intent but he wanted to do it and he had was the money to do it. Obvious the first time. Even if the exactly. art wasn't good enough for it, which I don't think that's yeah. right to say. I think it was more than good enough. But if you say that art oh, wasn't yeah. good enough, you can still see why he did it. You can still see what that yeah. brush stroke means in that fake painting that they're zooming on because they can yeah. 3D model. Yeah. It, yeah, and so you go back and you look at, you know, um we were talking about Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah. The intention of that first game was satisfied. Mm-hmm. It's done. We don't need... It It was great. They made more because they wanted to continue the story. That's great. But there's always a point where it's all right. All right. Mm. Now, let's... We're, we don't need to... I want to talk about a game that does this really well, like the balance of art and production. Um, and and uh, in my eye, that's Persona 5. That game is unnecessarily stylish, but it still ended up coming out and it still ended up being very fun and keeping the features that they did promise. I can see what you're saying with Persona. I think 
I think in some ways Persona's still a little bloated. Right. But the reason they get away with it is because they made really good production choices. Mm -hmm. And this is something you and I have talked about a lot, is that, for instance, because I've now played, I've played most Persona at this point. Played and it three times. when I look back at what played it three times oh yeah <laughs> just a couple times just a couple times but when i look back at different scenes of story points that happen and the way i remember them mm. is oh yeah very specific and then you actually go back and play them again mm. and you go oh that doesn't actually people don't move as much as i thought they did or the camera angles don't actually change so as much as I felt not, like they it's did. It's not or... hidden to anybody that mm. our game, Sunnyside, is very much inspired by Persona. So what oh, we yeah. ended up having to do, and what Sydney is very much referring to, is the fact that we researched that game. So we looked at how... To death. Yeah. <laughs> we, we looked at how a hangout looks. We looked at how a dialogue mm. looks. Where is the camera? Where are the people? How much they're moving? What animation are they playing? And if you actually pay attention to it, um, not a lot going on. Not a lot is going on. <laughs> They're mostly standing in the same place. There is a camera. There is a shake on it, like a wobble. And uh, yeah, and, and then they just go through the dialogue. But you don't realize much of that when you're playing. And you don't now, care. Some people might have, but the majority of people didn't care and didn't even notice it. Because you're too focused on the dialogue, and that is the game. The game's main featured mechanic is just dialogue because of how much of it there is. And they do amazingly on that, right? So yeah. essentially the scene, the background, just become a tool for delivering the dialogue to you. And it's not that important. And they have anime for some areas that are more important and they really need to show something crazy happening. They literally just made anime for it. Um, but the background is enough so the art didn't have to go too far in. The animators, the people who make the dialogue system with the camera movement, they didn't have to do too much. They put most of their yeah. focus on the dialogue system and they were able to then establish a deadline for the game. I feel like and that's where other... a lot of um, uh, feature creep spawns, essentially, is not being able to set those limitations. Kind of, this kind of goes back to what we were saying with like, limitations breed creativity yeah and there are specific spots in persona like if you look back at persona and you look at like when they go to hawaii right oh yeah you remember that mm -hmm. that's it's awesome like it's such a it's so unique it's different yeah. but when you actually go through and play through it not a lot happens in hawaii no no most of it is you just... don't get the ability to wander around freely mm. it's all you know, it's just one camera, long cutscene, one perspective. Well, there's like five different locations that get used, but mm. the camera never moves. The background is painted. Yes, it is. Like it's it's not as in depth as you might look back on it as. And I think this kind of goes to what we were talking about with are the games that we played in the past as good as we think they were? And this kind of answers that question. Or did they just make smart of, decisions of making you feel that exactly. way? Exactly. Yeah. Because your brain is going to fill stuff in, exactly. right? We talk about this all the time. It's crazy how it's much it, it does fill in. It's the difference between animating on ones and animating on twos. Mm. Do you know about this? Oh, yeah. Or oh, animating yeah. on threes. Threes even. is so crazy. So for anybody who doesn't yeah. know, if you're animating on ones, it means that every single frame has a new drawing so that you you have you know the motion, right? But when you animate on twos, 
it's every other frame has a change. And so the, the change is bigger, but your brain fills in the rest. Um, and when you animate on threes, it's even more so. And so old school animation was animation on ones. They drew every single thing. And it's why it kind of has that like choppy motion because you're feeling all of that. But when you animate on twos, it feels a lot more fluid because your brain can fill in the rest. Mm -hmm. And it's the same mentality across a lot of persona in general of do we really need to take the time to model every single coffee bean container and the kitchen and all the little nicks and crannies and stuff inside LeBlanc? Mm -hmm. Or can we just paint that, put it on the back, give you one camera angle and call it a day yeah yeah another thing um yeah. another thing that you can do and you can do this in your own game indie game uh, indie devs please feel free to do it and it's a very good idea instead of showing a uh, making an animation of a guy falling and hitting the floor which happened a lot to ryuji in, in persona just yep. uh turn the screen black play a sound of him falling and hitting the floor and then the screen comes back and he's already on the floor and it's just end up being one it. single pose and your brain fills yeah. it and it doesn't even care your brain doesn't even care about it yeah and, this and you're is too invested in the dialogue having... to even notice it at that point yeah and it's a conversation i keep having with our animator ken who's awesome but you know i'll say hey we need this animation to you know somebody brushing somebody's hair whatever we have a hairdresser in the game right and so his his quest do i have to have them pulling her brush out do i need to have them do no have them doing this people you can get even it. turn the screen black and just play a sound of somebody brushing teeth and that's yeah. good enough and it's <laughs> and it's not like oh we want to cut corners and not give you guys the best thing possible it's not even about that it's about where do we put our time and our intention and where are the limits to, that to then just cut and what right? are the limits yeah. yeah so if we don't have to animate on ones and use a million props to get across the point of a cutscene and take the time and the money and the effort to do that if that's not the intention of our game then we're not gonna do i it. feel like if you're the not intention... cutting stuff you're not doing your job right as a producer honestly <laughs> and if, i could be wrong actually, i'm not, not a producer no. i'm just a director so i wouldn't say cutting stuff i think it's more about saying no before we get to that point saying no to excited stuff. and want right. to do it yeah yeah it's saying uh, i the job of a producer yeah. is saying no a lot because it's insanely it easy to come up with ideas come up with yeah. ideas is the easiest thing you can do as a game dev uh coming up with good yeah. ideas a little bit more difficult but uh then it's yeah. job of the producer to then see if that's viable for the game yep all right, so you might have noticed that there was a little cut over there because I had to go to the toilet. But we have to end <laughs> our podcast here. So thank you, everybody, for uh, watching or listening to this episode of our newborn podcast. Uh, if you want to listen to more of these, we have it on Spotify called uh, Developer Dance Podcast. We have it on Apple uh, Podcast as well as YouTube, where it has video. It actually has video on Spotify, too, which is pretty cool. Uh, oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. It has oh, video cool. on Spotify if you click on that. that little button. That's cool. Yeah. And um, Spotify. if you like to support the podcast and the studio as a whole, we do have a page on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash rainy games uk you can find us over there and then we also have a discord server it's mostly devoted to sunnyside because that's our major project that we're working on right now but it's for all rainy games games in that might come up in the future go to discord gg.gg slash 
uh, Sunnyside. And we would like to change that one day, but way too many things are connected to it to be able to change that. We have a Twitter at twitter.com forward slash rainy games UK, as well as play Sunnyside. And yeah, thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for watching. We will see you in the next episode. And we're actually going to move into our extended. So if you're not a Patreon backer with the extended stuff, you're going to miss everything we're about to talk about. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you for listening to us. We will see you in the next episode. Bye.